You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In the know, nonstop Vikings talk, it's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. And welcome into Purple Access, part of the Purple Daily family, of course. It's Judd, it's Declan, and every other week we, of course, bring in my buddy, from the Star Tribune day, still a sports columnist extraordinaire for the Star Tribune, Chip Scoggins. What's up, Chipper? Jelly, what's happening? It's game week, finally, man. I was going to say, yes, it's game week. It's game week, and I think we're all all excited. You know, it's nice when training camp starts because football's back, but then you get sick of that, and then it's like, when are they going to play a preseason game? And then you see one of those, and you're like, that's crap, forget about that. And then the regular season arrives, and it's fantastic. All right, so with the season now upon us, uh, the Buccaneers in here, on Sunday, what are your expectations for this Vikings team coming off a 13-win season that I think a lot of people agreed was not necessarily a sustainable model, but we've got the Brian Flores defense. We've got uh, the addition of Jordan Addison as a running mate to Justin Jefferson. We've got Kirk Cousins in year two of this system. What is your expectation here, Chipper? Yeah, for my Star Tribune season prediction, I went 10-7. and seven. Um, I think they, I think they're still a playoff team. Uh, obviously you're not going to go 11 and 0 in one score games. That's not, you're not going to duplicate that. So I'm curious to see, um, does, does this team continue to be in those type games or are they more complete both offensively and defensively to where they don't have to be in those situations where they need as many fourth quarter uh, drives or comebacks from Cousins or a play from the defense. Um, but I just think with the schedule being what it is and the fact that you're going to have some regression off those one-score wins, I think 10 and 7 is where I'd put them at. I think the defense is going to be better. Um, I think the offense is going to be a top-10 scoring offense. But I was going through it. Look at the <laughs> the quarterbacks they faced, Judd. Holy cow. I would say – 
would you even just overall would you say the top well top three or three of the four with uh Mahomes Burrow and Hertz and then you'd probably put Josh Allen in there who they don't play um and then Herbert in there too (laughs) it's this defense I think it's gonna be better but boy they're gonna be tested this is going to sound weird to say, um, but it almost feels like the Buccaneers game is, is a must win as far as the tone, because I don't think that you can expect them to go and look, they could beat the Eagles on a short week on Thursday at Philadelphia, but you don't expect that. And, yeah. you know, that Buccaneers game, not that they can take them lightly, but it feels like in what is a fairly difficult opening stretch of games, that's the one where. If you win it, you feel good. If you lose it, you're like, oh, my God, we, we could be 0-2 quickly. That's not a death sentence, but, Chipper, we've covered 0-2 teams, and it's def- it's definitely a hole that you can feel. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their schedule. So you're going to face Hertz, Herbert, and Mahomes in the first five weeks. So yeah. th- three, you know, just three of the best quarterbacks in the first five weeks for a defense that's remaking itself. So yeah, that is a, that is a um, a tone setter type game to kind of show you know what you're going to do defensively, who you are. Then also, I think offensively, um, you just want to see uh, this offense continue to build off what they did last year. Because yes. um, there were stretches last year. I mean, as great as Cousins was in the fourth quarter, there were stretches where you're like, man, this offense isn't really doing anything. But now you have a full season of Hawkinson, right? You're adding Jordan Addison, who I think is going to have a good year. Just watching him in camp, he brings a he brings a dynamic with that speed and just how elusive and shifty he is on his route running. I think that's really going to complement JJ. So I, th- I just think this offense is is going to. Uh, I look at it, and I don't think there's any reason this um, as big of concerns we have for the offense interior offense line. I don't see why this shouldn't be a, uh, a top 10 scoring offense. It needs to be far more consistent. Like that, that's the one yeah. thing that got, because of the amount of very impressive fourth quarter comebacks last season, we probably didn't harp on this, but you know, second, third quarters, you got to score. And that was the, dis- the disappointing thing. I think from O'Connell's standpoint, w- when he went back and looked, was there was no reason on God's green earth that you should have had to come back in the in the final quarter as much as you did because yes, your defense was suspect, but if you look that offense really dried up, it's like the first drive was good. The scripted drive was good. And then it sort of went on the fritz and then it really went on the fritz. And then in the fourth quarter, it would come from behind and win uh, that that's not a formula though, that you're going to want to repeat. No, it's too, I mean, it's too stressful for one. And yeah, they just, they would just have those mid game lulls where they didn't do a whole lot. And, um, I do wonder if part of his calculus was if he felt like there was just so many negative or zero runs that just kind of took the, mm-hmm. that were just kind of uh, those series were lost series where it's like, you're okay. You're in third and nine. I mean, how often are you going to convert those? Right. And so he talked, he's talked about being more efficient in the running game and that if they, if they can just avoid the negative runs and the zero runs, and that's why they brought in Oliver as a blocking yes. tight end and why they think Mattis is probably more suited one financially, but two also just to avoid those negative runs that Dalvin uh, was getting that maybe they'll avoid some of those lulls. I'm not saying they're going to 
be well old the whole game. Excuse me, about to sneeze. Um, uh, but yeah, but if they if they can just avoid kind of those series killing runs that they that they had, um, and and I do think having Hawkinson for the full year will help out. So, um, but to me, the headline, the main headline is what does this defense look like? What does Flores' defense look like? Yeah, and just just uh, to go back to the offense for a second too, the switch to a lot more twelve personnel, which means mm-hmm. one running back, two tight ends. I think it's going to change. And I, I actually think it's going to benefit Kirk because it's going to give you the opportunity probably to bootleg more, uh, to have protections. And I also like the fact that I think it's more, I one, Justin Jefferson's going to be good regardless. But I think 12 personnel all, also allows you to punish opponents more, which I like. Like, yeah. I love how San Francisco plays, not because of all of their players necessarily, but because the intent is to beat you up, which I really, really mm-hmm. like. So I think that this is going to be a positive change. I also think ideally it leads to more sustainable things. And to your point on the run game, you know, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The idea with a run game is not explosive runs. The idea with the run game is consistent gains and not losses of two or, or three. Because now if you're in second and third and manageable, your playbook gets opened way up where if you're in third and 12 – you know, there's not really a good play for third and 12. Yeah, it's an interesting gamble because let's think back to last year. Dalvin changed to what, four games with explosive runs? Miami, Buffalo, Buffalo My, Miami, the Lions, uh, or the Colts, uh, uh, the Colts game of yep. the comeback, right? Then he, he scored the I think that was off entire, a, that was off a, a screen, catch, right? Uh, off screen a screen. Pass, yeah. But, but great run. his big plays changed a few games. Yep. So you're going to sacrifice that to some degree. I don't think you're going to get that home run uh, thing with Madison. But I think they're willing to sacrifice that for the trade-off of not having just the, the failed runs that they had that, that went nowhere and put them in, in tough, adverse situations um, where you feel like, okay, Madison's going to get you three, four yards, five yards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be so you're not limiting your playbook on third down with – after having some bad runs. So it's, it's an interesting trade-off. I, I agree. I think they're going to run the ball more efficiently, and we've heard that O'Connell use that word a lot. Um, and, you know, Oliver, when you look at him, holy cow, is he... He's a mountain of a man. I guess I, had, I didn't pay a lot of attention to his career. I mean, I know his reputation as a blocking uh, tight end, but, man, he is massive. So I, I have to think that that's going to help the, you know, their run game be more efficient. So I'm, I'm curious to just to see how it all looks, and... Um. So Jefferson will be your number one. He'll be your leader in targets. Hawkinson will be number two. Yep. Are you saying Osborne or Addison third in targets? Uh, would you get? Would you guess by the end of the year? If, if everybody's, everybody's if everybody's healthy, Addison, and then Osborne. I, I sort of I sort of agree with that too. I, I do. He's just um, got a fat. He. I am very concerned at his size and weight about his ability to stay healthy. But if he does, there is nothing I saw from a football perspective where I'm like, ooh, that looks raw, or oh, that route looked bad. Jordan Addison looks like, as far as football goes, he's football smart. He looks natural, doesn't he? Like, when you yeah. watch him out there, you're like, okay, this guy just, he's good at this. He's good at this job, right? right? Just the way he runs routes and how fast he is. But you're right, health. Um, I mean, he's not a big guy, so that'll, he's got to be, you know, get out of bounds or get down or not you know, 
be slippery and not take the big hit because he's not uh, how, physically he, huge. How, how is he going to fare chip against press coverage? Do you think? Well, I think he's so. I think he's his footwork and just so quick off the line that he's going to be able to avoid it. You know, um, that's I, that's my inclination. Um, that teams are obviously going to want to try to grab him and slow him down and be physical with him, but he's he's just so. From what I've seen in, in fall camp, just so shifty in his footwork, he's just so quick that I think he'll be able to, um, you know, get off the line of scrimmage, um, you know, without being too impeded. Um, but I, I, you know, I just think with the the attention that Jefferson and Hawkinson are going to draw, and Osborne when he's out there, um, you know, I, I just I, I think he's primed for a, for a really good rookie year. Um, just based off what we see. Now he's got to prove it, but I, I think I think he's earned Cousins' trust, which is a big deal. And Cousins talked about in fall camp. I remember there I was there one day, and uh, someone asked Cousins, like, what, "What does it take for a young guy to earn your trust?" And he said, "Catch when there's contact around you, when there's guys draped over you." Um, he looks for a guy that that's because he said there, you know. In NFL, there's just not big windows typically, right? You're going to have to make contested catches, and he wants to see how a guy fares in that. And, and Addison did that and kind of showed him that he's, you know, equipped to make tough catches for him. On Kirk Chipper, do, do you find it as intriguing as I do that he spent four years with a coach who basically didn't like him? Uh, <laughs> but every one of those years, he had one thing going for him job security, contract yeah. security. He is now, for the first time in his um, in his time here, he is now going into the last season of a contract. That security is gone, and yet he has never been more embraced by the coach, the team, or the fan base. I find this to be so upside down because <laughs> because when things were miserable, Kirk had security, and now that it seems like he's found the perfect setting, they elected not to give him security it's just I'm, yeah. I'm not criticizing it i'm just saying it, it's a it's a weird juxtaposition yeah because he's and I, I wrote this first week of camp that i've never seen him look this uh comfortable like he's standing up and doing half hour oh. speeches to the team and he's you know he's got the we're comedy 60, routine going we're in 66 on. he does <laughs> do you do you think he goes out <laughs> wearing that red 66 to no ryan wright if zimmer's the coach <laughs> no, no chance. chance no chance no he i mean he's a guy who's totally comfortable with his lot in life right now. Yes. And he's on a one year deal. He's on <laughs> this is it. So yeah, it's 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 strange, but it's you know like I think we, we both said that this contract thing will not be a uh a distraction or anything that, that throws you know, causes him to pout or anything like that. No chance that that was gonna happen. Um but he's even more comfortable than I I, I just assumed he would be. Now we'll see if that translates into his play. I just think being, and he's talked about it, I mean, just think about all the different systems and coordinators and play callers and all that that he's had. Just having, you know, O'Connell for another year, I, I would be I would be really, really surprised if he doesn't have another big year. Yeah, and I, I think the most important thing from Kirk's standpoint is, is um, that he is hopefully now going to have complete trust in O'Connell. Because yeah. I think O'Connell knows exactly what he wants, exactly what he thinks Kirk should do. And I also think Kirk's problem at times of mentally shorting out at times is not a problem Kevin has. So, so like, I, 
if this if this relationship takes that step, which is basically O'Connell serving as Kirk's brain at times, which I'm yeah. not, which is fine. I think that that could be an absolute key because you know to to go back to that play in Buffalo where where Kirk called the play and it was a terrible play call and they should have lost that game and O'Connell's yeah. like you've got you've got to trust me you've got to listen to me. Um, I think if they take that step, it could be a very very big step because you know Kirk has never clearly had a head coach who's even close to what Kevin is doing for him. Yeah, it's interesting. Go back to that play, like because the quarterback. That, that documentary showed so much I thought fascinating about that we didn't know that we didn't know, but which like, is why I wanted the Giants play. I wanted fourth and eight. I keep saying oh, that. Gosh. I, I, I want to know the breakdown of that play. That the breakdown of that play would tell you a ton of what game one will be like. Well, there there are times where O'Connell would come talk to him. He's like, "Yep, yep, got it. Yep." yep. And or the one that was at Miami. He's like, "You can't just like calm down a little bit here." As well, yeah. but. Let's say they lose that Buffalo game after Cousins did his own kind of rogue on that thing. Do we find out about that? No, no, no chance. I think they cut the giant stuff out on purpose. Do you? Yeah. Oh yeah. They they had it makes more. sense. It they makes sense because they had they had editorial control. Like yeah. <laughs> they could say what's in it. Because um, I would have loved to known. I would have loved to hear that conversation on the sideline or afterwards. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Oh God, we don't, and we don't get the end. I don't think we get that. I don't think we get that part of the Buffalo game if the Vikings lose that game. No, that no, that would not have been. Had they lost, I don't think they come. I don't. O'Connell's not going to come out. No one we know about him. He's not going to come out and say Kirk called his own play and I won the timeout there or whatever the situation was. Well, and I think they, I think they take that that out of the series as well. Yes, if the Vikings lose, I. I think the last, I, if the Vikings lose that game, I think we get everything through the Jefferson catch, and then it goes fades to black. <laughs> and then you get him riding home in the truck afterwards. <laughs> yep, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, no, because that, that's not something, because guess what? That becomes a major storyline, if you know that uh, afterwards, after the fact that you run your own play and, it, you know, 
it doesn't work and you lose a game because of it. Um, yeah. But because you win and, you know, it tends to get glossed over. Yeah, but it no. And I asked Cousins about this during camp. I said, you know, we saw these moments where it was it got pretty heated, you know, intense, like stressful. And he just said it'll continue to evolve. Like their relationship, it'll just keep getting better and better and, um, you know, just knowing each other and more. So, um, yeah, I – the only – we talked about the only real question mark I have about the offensive line is just that interior, you know. Oh, God, yeah. And if that – you know, if it if that – those three guys can play better than they did last year. Yes. Um, it's a major, major question mark for me. If Ingram has not improved, that that draft looks awful. If yes. Ingram is If Ingram turns himself into a really good to good player – I think we have more forgiveness for Quasi's first draft, but yeah. if you know Andrew Booth Jr. and Seen defensively, I don't think they're going to smell the field unless they're unless Blackman gets hurt or Murphy yeah. gets hurt. And yeah. same thing at safety. So yeah, Ingram to me is the key because you don't invest eighteen games, eighteen starts into a guy who might have shown some gradual improvement but was not good and was a second round pick. You don't invest that. And then not expect to get you know the return this season. Well, that's, so that, that's the that's whole imperative. point of it. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. Yeah, and seeing. I mean, we talked about how many, how many, uh, how often Flores uses three safeties, and seeing is not one of them. Yeah, <laughs> and that you know, I mean, he's right now a special teams guy. So um, it's a big year for yeah for that draft class. It's a very big year. So defensively. What what non-established player, and there's certainly a lot to choose from, are you the most curious to see? Non-established? Yeah, so not Daniil Hunter, not, you know, not Harrison Smith, but non-established. Do you call Marcus Davenport established? No, he had a half sack last year, I think. I would I, don't. I would I would probably say him. Um uh or Asamoa, those two. I mean, can you resurrect, you know, can you pull more out of Davenport than what's been, you know, because you look at him physically and you're like, this guy should have more than half that, right? I mean, he is yes. huge. Um, so I'm curious about him. And then Asamoa, can he turn in? They need him to be a player, Judd. I mean, they just do. Um, we've heard a lot about it. I mean, O'Connell talked about him a lot last year, wanting to see more of him, the injuries this year you know, disrupted his training camp. I want to see what what there is with with him with more snaps. What about you? Davenport's, so to, to go back to, to him, where that intrigues me is if he does not have, because he is on a one-year prove-it deal. If One he does year. not have a good season, you are looking at not having a starting caliber edge rusher on your roster for 24. Um, the guy that intrigues me, is Josh Metellus because he's going to be asked to do so much. They're going to use three safeties. Heck they're, they're going to use what's going to constitute a big dime package a lot, I think, or quite a bit, but Josh Metellus. So I think Josh Metellus is what they were hoping scene would be. And the one thing about safety is it is obviously a position where, where the head coach and the defensive coordinator chipper value high intelligence 
Yes. Like you can't just be an athlete. You need to be. And, and to, to go back to, I think you attended the same press conference I did when training camp opened and Harrison Smith spoke at the podium and basically said, Josh Metellus can run the meetings. Like he knows that that yeah. much. So Metellus is, is not just an athlete. He is a very high IQ guy. And I'm, my guess is that's where scene is lacking, but I am really curious because I, my theory, and it's just, I have, it's just a guess, but my theory is this. This defense is going to cause havoc, and at times it's going to work really well, and at times they're going to get beats for spectacular plays. Yeah. It's an all-or-nothing approach, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's, you know, uh, I've heard, you know, I think we talked about this, but the word communication, I've heard that a lot, right, from coaches, defense guys, communication. So it seems like when they're doing all the different things that they're doing and running up to the line and who's dropping back or where – just seems like you better be on the same page there, which means you got to have smart players. But I talked to Cam Bynum during camp, and he 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 said that about Flores that he gives them a lot of freedom, not to not to just freelance and do whatever the hell they want, but to make you know checks or do things that right. they see change things, change things based on what they see. So he he empowers them. Well, you better you better know what you're seeing and you better be right. 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 That that can go away too, probably quickly. If, if you're just, you know, you're out of position. And so I think, I think Flores really uh, puts a lot on these guys plate and trusts them to make these kinds of decisions on the field for themselves. And Metellus by everything we hear is like just super smart, knows football, knows this defense just is great instinctually about, you know, reading things and, processing him so and we've seen it like the amount that he's on the field and in the different positions you don't get that with the, if the coaches don't trust you oh hell no it's a yeah. ton of stuff yeah it, but i so i think the three guys and in particular uh two guys that they clearly trust and it's why they're both still here obviously harrison smith but yeah. Jordan Hicks, too. I, I think for all of the questions of well he's not really that fast it doesn't really fit what you're doing why I think a big one was Jordan Hicks took a pay cut, but but came back as did Harrison Smith because of the fact that Flores knows that there are essentially coaches on the field. Harrison Phillips as well. Now I do mm-hmm. have concerns about the front of that line. The line does. Yeah. I'm not sold that, that they have the right fit up there. Um, but I do think that Jordan Hicks and Harrison Smith in particular, you talk about checks being made and coaches, on the field. I think those two guys are there because of that to a large degree. Yeah. Well, you need organizers, right? (laughs) Those guys are organizers and get guys in the right spots and make the right, uh, you know, the right checks and calls for those guys. Uh, The other one, I mean, we haven't talked about him much because we haven't, you know, I want to see Daniil Hunter, you know, I want, I want to see, I have to think he's going to be motivated as he's ever been. Um, because he's looking at probably what one more big bite of the apple, contract wise, um, yeah, after 30, this season. Yeah. If he if yep. he has a if he has he turned thirty or he's turning thirty um, this season. He's turning, I think he's turning thirty this season. Yeah, so he's twenty nine right now. He's wanting another big contract, right? One last big contract, and so this is this is your time to do it. You know, to show that you're still a premier edge rusher, which I think he will. And, I do too. I do too. I really I mean, like physically, he looks he looks great. I mean, I still think if he's used right, 
um, which I don't think he was last year. I don't think he ever really – well, I thought towards the second half of the season he looked more like Daniil. Um, but I, 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 I just feel like he's going to look like the Daniil that we've come to expect. Yeah, and I think that he – so I, I think the intriguing thing there – uh, because now that the Hawkinson contract is done, Jefferson is obviously going to get done soon. Um, I think the intriguing thing there, too, is the decision on contracts that the Vikings are going to have to make next March. Daniil, Kirk Cousins. There, yeah, well, and Derisaw will get extended as well, I think. But there's just a, there's going to be a lot of really interesting decisions to make about aging players that they probably still like. Yeah, I mean, so... Darisaw will be up next year, right? Will they, will they sign him to extension? Eligible, not And he'll have eligible. two years left, just like Justin did, just like Justin does now. I'm guessing if he has the kind of year that you expect him to have, that he'll be one that you'll want to get done. And um, the question then is, does he want to become the highest paid left tackle in the NFL? Uh, because that is that is rare air. Well, you think about between Hawkinson, the one Jefferson's going to get in his, and then you start looking at quarterback. Um It'll be interesting. I, I still think I still think it's more likely than not that Cousins comes back next year, but that's going to be price. interesting. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's going to be interesting. Really to take how, the pay cut. To how Brzezinski and Quasi make this work financially, all these big ones. But they're going to lock these guys up. So so Jefferson's going to get done. Hunter, I don't know. Hunter might walk. But but the key thing is when they when they go to Kirk and you know if Kirk has a good year. Someone's going to offer him probably a really lucrative one final three-year contract. My question on that one then is, what's the Vikings counter, and does he take the discount? Because you know he has never done that before. He's never no. taken the discount, really. No, he's never. And don't you think that so much of that depends on what happens this year with his play and where the team's going? Or do you think that's yeah. all totally independent of? No, I think it depends on that. But but I think I you're right. I think he's going to have a good year. I do too. Now I do too. he wins a couple of playoff games. Now the story that change, changes. That changes everything. Yeah, that changes a lot. But I, you know, that one. I think he's going to have a good. Just to be very clear, at regular season. I, I don't know in the playoffs. I just that's it. Yeah. There's no there's no track record of success really beyond a win against the Saints. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. Same thing. I think statistically and all that. I think regular season, and we'll see what happens there. But it, yeah, it's. I mean. Hawkinson reset the market. Jefferson's going to, you know, be paid like a quarterback. Blow it up. Darisaw's going to get, you know, a massive contract. So I just don't know how many of those you can have on your payroll and still fill out the rest of your roster. Right. And, and then I, I guess the question is, if you can bring Kirk Cousins back, your first-round draft pick almost certainly has to be a defensive end, right? A pass yeah. rusher? Yes. And that's and I'm writing a call about this this week, Judd, is that, when you think about these contract situations, that to me puts even more onus on O'Connell and this coaching staff to develop these young guys. You have to be yes. able to develop guys on their rook, which because you've missed on drafts, you, either the first one of Quasi, which is still unknown, but those big year for them. Some of the last ones of Spielman, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, you need guys on their first contracts to be significant players for you. And you have to develop these guys because it's because you, you, you know they're going to have this top-heavy roster again with guys making just you know massive amounts of money on their you know their, their star players that they need. Um, yep, they need younger players to be key guys for them. Yep. 
All right, sir, before we get done, give give me your thoughts, just because I love to see you, you talk about it, on last weekend college football. Because it, it was, was uh, fun. Yeah. Uh, I saw a lot of teams that showed rust and shakiness early and then settled in. Judd, this is a going to be a year of the quarterback. Isn't it fun? There, are, there is a... We could say that every year in college football, but there is some high, high end quarterback playing college football this year. Do you think that that there will be high and enough play where if the Vikings are drafting, let's say in the first round, let's say they're drafting fifteenth or sixteenth, that they could take a quarterback there? I absolutely do. Now, you know, Caleb Williams and Drake May, I think, are going to go one two. Those guys are special, but man, there mm-hmm. are some really good quarterbacks in college football this year and, and I think there will be, Judd. I honestly do. And before we get done, Declan, this is a perfect time for you to plug Purple Daily on the draft because you are going to be <laughs> focusing on that quarterback class, right? That's right. Yeah, you can find all those episodes uh, weekly here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Tyler Fornis and Miles Gorham, they're, they're draft nerds, Tripper. I just put the, I just put the quarter in. I, I'm the uh, system quarterback, <laughs> if you will. I'm, I'm Tennessee Vols quarterback, okay? Like, That's you right. Just plug anyone in there, and I can put up numbers. And uh, luckily, the infrastructure around me uh, helps that out a ton. Well, you can always talk about quarterbacks with this with this uh, college football class, man, because there's a lot of them. Go Vols, baby. See you later, Chipper. All right. See you, boys. Chip.